As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I think! Brilliant! Phil Jones and the incredibly detailed online trolls. Alan Smith's seven-year footover campaign continues. The quaintest stadium abuse ever hurled at a player or referee. The very precise football punditry subgenre that is talking about a player as they warm up before a game on TV and decoding Sunday 6pm Roy Keane. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 96 of the Football Clichés podcast. I am Adam Hurry and with me for the second consecutive week, perhaps even earning that man status, it's Charlie Eccleshare. How are you? Who else but Charlie Eccleshare? Hi, (laughs) Adam. Uh... Yeah, more respect due than that, yeah. Who else but, indeed. Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Alongside you, in a virtual sense, David Walker. How are you? Very good. How are you? I'm fine. I hear that you were at um, Carrow Road to witness um, Watford's... uh, basement battle with Norwich yeah it was tremendous that's a fair that's a fair thing to say I haven't Um, even looked at the table well (laughs) basement battle I presume it's 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 fair in in spirit in terms of the league table we're not actually in the basement at all yet but that is our natural place but were you going into it no 14th I think going into it and Mm. we're now 11th or whatever but um I I, I was going into the game firmly of the opinion that we were the two worst teams in the league (laughs) That's nice. That's Optimistic. Fine. We did all get to witness the masterpiece that was a Emmanuel Dennis somersault celebration, beautifully coinciding at, it, at its at its apogee, I believe the word is, of his um, trajectory. A friendly Norwich fan offering him a single middle finger in the background. A sensational photo, which I don't think will be beaten this season. But um, I mean, I mean, there are there are many situations in football, Dave, where I think 
a lot of abuse hurled from the stand seems quite futile because you know the target isn't going to hear it isn't going to soak it in it just feels like an instinctive thing this feels like the ultimate example he's never he's, he's mid somersault doesn't care you don't get that in the olympics do you <laughs> <laughs> max whitlock's never been given <laughs> the finger from the stands as he dismounts i don't know i think of all the times that could be quite damaging like if he does catches that out of the corner of his eye you know you're, you're doing right yeah you're doing something that does require like quite a high level of coordination the tiny margin and all of a sudden um well it didn't end there i mean whilst i was admiring this photo i watched match of the day shortly afterwards and um saw him wheeling away in celebration and just after he completed the final twist of his celebration just before he was landing a really an otherwise reasonable-looking middle-aged Norwich fan, right by the advertising hoarding, just reached out and gave him a big wanker sign just before he landed. <laughs> I just, again, I just thought, at least wait until he's landed and he might be looking at you to do it. I mean, we talked about this a few weeks ago, didn't we? When was it uh, Rhys James when he ran over mm. to the Arsenal fans <laughs> yeah. after he scored at the Emirates? And his was just like open arms kind of... You know, taunting in a sort of slightly smug manner, which I, which I, as I said, I think I would be quite annoyed with. But if I was sitting in the front row as a Norwich fan, and and Emmanuel Dennis did that, it'd be a part of me that would be quite impressed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the acrobatics, as we are obliged to call them in football circles. But yeah, just um, a fascinating snapshot of uh, of Premier League existence there, and I really enjoyed it. So much to get through for the adjudication panel today. Um, but Charlie, I want to I want to begin with this fascinating interview at the weekend in the Times. Uh, Jonathan Northcroft with Manchester United's Phil Jones talking through a lot of things that people wouldn't have realised about his time away from the game and his injury struggles and that sort of thing. Really good interview, very honest, very open. Inevitably, I latched onto this little part of it. Now we're all kind of familiar with how people describe what they think an internet troll looks like, but Phil Jones' incredibly detailed image of this, he says. But, and I say this in the nicest possible way, I know who'll have the last laugh. I'm proud of my career and when it finishes and I'm enjoying my life, and by the way, I'm super fortunate that I'll be able to do that because footballers are fortunate, the keyboard warriors will still be in their mum's spare bedroom, sipping Diet Pepsi that's flat, eating a pot noodle, sitting in their boxes, tweeting. (laughs) So much. Yeah. I mean, Uh, the spare bedroom thing is well established. I mean, there's no evidence. I mean, Mm. I don't know if anyone's done a census on this, but I mean, the spare bedroom thing is established. Boxers, sitting in your pants. That's fairly established. All the other stuff. This is stuff I didn't know. That level of detail sounds like when a marketing executive will be trying to work out what's our target market. Okay, so who is it? It's kind of, you know, it's uh, wealthy males, in their boxes, they're drinking Diet Pepsi. Maybe it's flat, so maybe maybe he's got like an you know an additional life doing that afterwards because he clearly has a good uh, a good sense of kind of who his um, I was gonna say his market. That's maybe not quite right because <laughs> the opposite not really, of that. Yeah, 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 exactly. His uh, uh, his enemies. Dave, fascinated by his drink of choice, Diet Pepsi. I mean, mm. Pepsi at all. I mean, with all due respect to the. Um, the medium-rated uh, carbonated drinks manufacturer. It's, it's, it's not really the go-to, is it? It's not, no. And the the image that he's painting, the, this this sort of, I don't know, man-child, if you like, who clearly has has no self-respect, self-respect yes, <laughs> happy to eat pot noodles, would also, I, I'd imagine he'd be quite happy to have the full fat Coke, very least the Pepsi Max. Mm. But the pot noodle is one, though, isn't it? That The pot noodles often gets, gets offered up as like yeah. an example of a pathetic man just eating anything in the office it's worse it's worse than ready meals even isn't it yeah above all though charlie i I feel like phil jones has earned the right to do this it did give me pause for thought about some footballers who 
have become who have passed the Rubicon of, of internet ridicule to the point where it just becomes, you know, almost passe to take the mm. piss out of them. And um I feel like he's earned this. He's earned this outburst. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think it has gone beyond that point. I mean, he was one of the first, you know, he was one of the first memes, really, wasn't mm. he? I can mm. remember, you know, um yeah, he's very he's very well qualified and shows that in, in abundance here. Just to linger on this point, I, I want to, I want to run through it piece by piece just before we move on. So, mum's spare bedroom. So they've split. So the parents have split up. Yeah, it's never dad's spare bedroom. At the very it? least, yeah, it's always yeah. mum's, isn't it? Sometimes yeah. basement. Sometimes mm. basement. Yeah, yeah I was thinking. Yeah, basement room. is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So at least a two bed here we're talking about. Um, so some some space. Um, Loft is more sinister. Yeah, um, for some <laughs> Attic. reason. Attics yeah. for old people, isn't it? Yeah, mm, yeah. and ghosts. Um, sipping diet Pepsi that's flat. So so much going on there. I can't even begin to unpick it. <laughs> I would say, but, but sipping it, guzzling. <laughs> I would say, yeah, yeah, gulping it. Yeah. But the flat's a nice detail as well because that does suggest a level of lack of care. Yeah, things have been, gone really. Yeah, things have been really going really bad. He's just been there for it's, hours because he's trolling. probably <laughs> ordered the. He's ordered. Um, a 1.5 litre bottle of it with a with a pizza with a Domino's and yeah. not polished it all off at once and have, has left it on the side or probably on the floor next to the mattress or whatever I'm, I'm thinking it's like a mattress on the floor here not even a oh, proper God. bed yeah um, yeah this is this is a, a bleak picture indeed pop noodle well established sitting in the boxes absolutely right yes um, yeah no fair play to Phil Jones that's that's a very vivid I picture I think but I, why France as well is, is the the image for me it's a bit right. 80s perhaps. great wife fronts yeah, yeah viz i don't know <laughs> <laughs> anyway um moving swiftly on plenty of correspondence uh, uh, about this dave from uh, sunday afternoon this is sky sports alan smith using a hitherto unprecedented word for a piece of skill by cristiano ronaldo well no fullback wants to be faced with this ronaldo running at you in the box throwing in a couple of foot overs <laughs> not surprisingly getting his shot away Dave what do we think do we think this is just an old fashioned word for a step over I just haven't heard it I'm not dead against it I just haven't heard it before yeah it jarred with me when I first heard it but then when I sort of thought about it I suppose it's sort of still you know, sort of putting your foot over the ball you know, sort yeah. of is what you're doing um, but it's just not the uni- it's, you know step, it's a step over isn't it yes. we, know, we know that it's a step over or, or or a lollipop, as some people make yeah, call lollipop. it. Yeah, lollipop. I, I think, and if anyone out there can do it, our listeners can. I feel like I've heard foot over before, probably from Alan Smith, and well, similarly felt like, oh, that's that's not quite right. Interesting that you say that. I mean, yeah, I had a flurry of tweets alerting me to the fact that he'd said foot over, and I thought, well, maybe this is the first time he's done it. No, says Twitter. June 2019, Alan Smith calls a step over a foot over and I never quite get over it. April 2018, if Alan Smith calls a step over a foot over one more time, I'm out. Football is finished forever. 7th of December 2015, did Alan Smith just call a step over a foot over? Come on, bruv. Um, 17th of August 2014, Alan Smith just called a step over a foot over. Give me your job. This has been going on for years, Charlie. Yeah, I did. It, as I say, it did ring a bell, and I, I remember when I heard it, thinking similarly, "That's not quite right." I wonder with something like that if, um, because everyone knows the mean. It's not like you're misleading people, but I wonder if a producer would say, like, you know, just so you know, it is most people say step over, and whether he would just be like, "Well, I call it a foot over," yeah, or if but, it's just let slide. Yeah, I mean, but Dave, let's let's weigh up all the probable evidence here. Alan Smith played football professionally for a long, long time. There's, there's. The suggestion that it was called a foot over on the training ground, which is, you know, probably the purest platform of all. So maybe we should give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Um, where did he start? Was he 
did he start at Leicester? He yeah, was at so, Leicester early on. Yeah. Well, wherever he, wherever he sort of came through the ranks, he probably just had a coach. Maybe, or you know, when he was a kid, maybe that was just someone called it a foot over. He come oh, here, lad. Let me show you how to do a few. Let me show you how to do a few foot overs, and it's just maybe stuck it's with a Midlands him. thing. But like, I do wonder, and this is, uh, I'm sure you know, Keys and Gray would tell me that you know we've been doing players have been doing foot overs since you know years and years ago. But how how prevalent would foot overs have been in in that era of football? I mean, I genuinely don't know, but I feel like that is. The, fetish, the fetishization of them definitely is a slightly, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo thing. I don't know how. I mean, I don't remember in the early Premier League years that many footovers. I don't know. I feel like you would have seen the odd one in, say, the seventies and eighties. Probably. I don't, think, I don't yeah. think they're that newfangled. Sure. Um, I mean, Georgie were... Best. Yeah. Steve Coppel's been doing them for uh, yeah, exactly forty years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Superb. Um, yes. Yeah. Fair play. Um, but yeah, I, I'm willing to give Smudger Smith. The benefit of the doubt there, because it must have come from somewhere. I can't believe he's just made it up and, and he's trying to popularise it. So we'll keep an open mind about that one. Moving on. Listener Joe Earp writes in, Charlie. It says, a piece of abuse aimed at the referee Gavin Ward at Portsmouth versus Oxford this weekend. You always micromanage everything, Ward. Why can't you micromanage that? <laughs> Fucking hell. I mean, two two levels here. First of all, a, a, just a very quaint thing to shout at a referee. Um, very businessy. And secondly, it implies kind of past knowledge of this referee's quirks style which i never like that yeah i mean that is very i do quite like very specific feedback to referees because i think the person giving it thinks that that will have more of an impact because you know it's like i've really i've really thought about this i mean i i got taken the piss out of Sunday league once for saying to a ref you've got so few things to be looking at and he gave <laughs> my point being that he gave it wasn't like there's loads going on it was like a floated ball and he just gave a goal kick rather than a corner but it was obviously like ridiculously facetious and and this is in a similar bracket of um very specific feedback i I want maybe would i wonder if it if it had more of an impact on a ref than just the generic your shit yeah maybe yeah a bit more cutting i mean this is very much setting the tone here charlie is the referee's job not not to micromanage everything though really (laughs) well i mean we're in the era of uh, of letting things flow so maybe micromanagement is off the table. I don't know. Maybe fans are going to get more and more annoyed at pernickety refs. Um, but yeah, Charlie's bit of um, on-pitch facetiousness has really set the tone for our listeners' contributions here. We asked our listeners for kind of quaint slash PG rated um, examples of vitriol from the stand. Didn't think it would be as good as this, but it is. Um, Wild Billy Six and Rob Draper both um, kicking us off with the absolute classic Dave, which is the alleged and probably not actually correct outburst to Eric Cantona in 1995. Off you go, Mr. Cantona. It's an early bath for you, which has been about 15 variants. I have also heard off, off, off. It's an early bath for you, Mr. Cantona. Uh, the Mr. is very much the crucial part of this for its complete bullshit. Yeah. And I'm afraid my brain just can't envisage any of that not being said by Jonathan Pierce. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like he could have, obviously we know what he said is in the intro to the show, but, um, any of those, yeah, you could just completely hear him, off, 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 Mr. Cantona, it's an early bath for you. Like, that would work. That would have fit yeah. perfectly into his bit. Moving on, Quantum Fold, Charlie says, I used to sit behind someone at Turf Moor who was fond of calling the referee a pillock. Yeah, yeah that's good family-friendly stuff. Yeah, that's quite yeah. Yeah, that's quite good That's not going to get you thrown out, is it? That reminds it, like, you'll see, if you, you know, you might be with, like, a parent or something when you're younger and they get, like, road rage mm. and they'll call it, things like, moron, as they, like, <laughs> d- drive off. It's, like, that level, like... Buck. It's the same yeah, level yeah, of yeah. rage, I suppose. It's yeah, I think it's quite similar. Same but... switch that gets triggered. 
and, and knowing that you know, yeah, Burke more on Pillock are Burke. sort of <laughs> love Burke and more uh, more acceptable in that context with kids in the back. James Hobbs says that was toilet referee Oxford versus Yeovil circa two thousand and four. Good memory. Um, Kizzo 86 at a Lincoln City game a few years back some bloke behind me shouted goodness gracious me this referee is a charlatan (laughs) (laughs) I started to think some of these are made up and uh, towards the end of this there is one that almost certainly is but I refuse to believe that someone would have gone to the lengths of doing it but um, but Dave that's that's this is really good the idea of someone shouting that is sensational Uh, charlatan is I can I can believe, but the goodness gracious me bit is that strikes me as a potentially superfluous addition there. Yeah. Um, listener Michael Cox, Charlie, I once heard, and this is 100% accurate as I wrote it down on my phone. Bloody hell. Um, ref, don't dignify his frivolous complaints by engaging in conversation. <laughs> a little bit rugby. Sounds a bit rugby, doesn't it, Charlie? Uh, that's, uh, yeah, that is very kind of the, the honour code where, where a ref can sort of just stand there and yeah, all will all, all come good. Um, really moving on a gear here, Dave. Mark Duffy says uh, he heard you are a twit of the highest order, and I hope your wife gets syphilis. Courtesy of a quite well-to-do Spurs fan sat behind me after a penalty wasn't given to us against Ipswich Town in 1994. It stuck with me for some reason. I bet it did. I mean, yeah, twist I mean, in the middle there. I mean, exactly. Yeah, twit like twit, but extremely quaint. Yeah, um, like I haven't had enough impact here. I need to step it up. Twit of the highest order, still mm. probably not that bad. <laughs> but then, yeah, to ch- wow, what a handbrake turn. Yeah, that's, that's that's pretty yeah. severe. Yeah, really bad. Um, don't think he understands the, quite the long-term implications of the illness. But uh, yeah, uh, I guess in the in the heat of the moment, you don't. So that's fair enough. Um, Charlie Samuel Simmons at a Woking versus Halifax game this season. One of the fans in front of us shouted, "Welcome to the South!" Not only was this very odd, but it was whilst the ball wasn't even in play. He just screamed it at the nearest Halifax player. <laughs> <laughs> that's Welcome to the South. <laughs> What, what are you What's the implication? Yeah, was Welcome he trying, to South. Was, it's quite nice here, actually. Mm, well, that's mm. what, yeah. Was he trying to say that we've got a reputation of being soft, but actually, yeah, yeah. I think look how hard we really are. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, very good. Halifax theme continues, Dave. Matthew Wiley, uh, once watching Halifax Town, remember a man a few rows behind wearing a bowler hat and pinstripe jacket, no less, yell at the top of his voice, "Inadequate linesman." <laughs> <laughs> that's surely did not happen any of this but again why would he make it up so uh... is he like the halifax version of that bradford mm. mascot oh, he's just yes. their man who turns up in a wacky outfit hat. <laughs> um, no year attached to this so i don't know when it was i hope it was the 80s at least uh really really bizarre one this charlie i don't know what you're going to make of this one matthew mackey i once heard oi ref what are you doing after this still not sure if it was a threat or a genuine proposition what a weird thing to shout <laughs> Is that like a, I'll see you outside? Well, in a weird kind of, of way, thing. I suppose. It but is, yeah, yeah. Uh, you maybe. Have a pint? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's good around here. Um, yeah, that that is a curious one. We had a guy, we had a teammate of mine said to an opposition player, be more magnanimous, which I thought was just, such, just such a ludicrous uh, request to an opposition. I think it was because he was like rubbing it in that we were getting battered or something. You are not a good advert for your Sunday league right now at, at all. Bearing in mind, I only give like the most embarrassing mm. things. Yeah. But yes, we are thought of as complete. Yeah, you're at least including yourself in this. It's good. Um, Dave, Gary Regan says, at West Ham, we were losing during an injury break. Someone shouted, don't just stand there, practice. <laughs> uh, topical Ridiculous. if anything um, yeah. for this weekend's uh, events at the mm. London Stadium so maybe he had a point maybe he had a point 
Matt Stanger writes in, I once called Warren Barton a mummy's boy when he was about to take a throw in and he turned around and laughed in my face. <laughs> that's good. Always, when you always get a gamble. Interaction, one-to-one yeah. interaction back from the player, that's good. But a, a nice payoff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Really good stuff. This leads us inevitably to a tweet, Charlie, from Dylan Ross this weekend. Uh, simply simply saying Fulham Football Club. And it had two snapshots. One, someone slicing very carefully a Victoria sponge on their wooden seat, um, presumably to share around. And the other the other picture, uh, becoming a bit more popular, this one, of um, looking over someone's shoulder as they were reading a Kindle as the game was going on. The implication here being, this is all a bit too middle class mm-hmm, for football. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen this a lot. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, the much maligned guy with popcorn at Wembley, which I thought was really harsh. I felt really sorry for that person. Um, bit of an the, ongoing trend, this, isn't it? The carrots at the Emirates. Um, <laughs> do you remember that? The, yes. the guy, the, uh, who I do know, and is a lovely guy, and I felt really bad that he sort of became, became a meme. But it was quite funny, kind of a bag. And, and, you know, the Emirates. There was the guy, I think also the Emirates, who was kind of laid down on like three chairs, both showing how little he cared, but also how many empty seats yes. there were. Yeah, um, yeah, that's not good. Yeah, I mean, it's all, you know, the, uh, the much maligned gentrification of... Of football. Well, I mean, Dave. I mean, in the in the second picture here, which is the the Kindle situation, a guy reading very intently. I couldn't help but spend about forty five minutes this morning trying to work out what book it was. I was zooming in. <laughs> I zoomed in till it got too blurry, and that didn't help. Then I zoomed out again, and magically that got better. It, I don't know. It was like Blade Runner or something. And um, uh, I finally worked out <laughs> with the help of Google's uh, uh, absurdly scary book catalogue that it was The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett, 4.22 on Goodreads, so not bad. Nice. Is that a bad. contemporary book? Yeah, Is that yeah, 2020, yeah. Getting okay. turned into a TV programme, I, I believe. Seven-figure fee. Very nice. The, with the cake, right? Has hmm. he brought that with him? Yeah, he, can clearly. You, they haven't got a Home cake made, store, if anything. They, in, inside Craven Cottage? It has a knife on him as well. Mm. <laughs> Presumably <laughs> plastic. plastic. Looks plastic and I short. So. One yeah. you were probably allowed to take on a plane in sort of the 90s. That but level of knife. How are you keeping the, the sponge upright on your journey? Into I think the ground? He, is I it think, in a bag? Carry I don't a think bag? he tried to hide it. I think he probably just carried it in, in his hands. It's a Tupperware. This is a cake. Nothing's going to happen. I promise. Yeah, maybe Tupperware. Maybe. Well, should, the stewards, should the stewards be allowing just what cakes you could launch that launching the Tupperware and or the cake? You could really frisbee a Tupperware lid, a medium-sized Tupperware lid. You That's going to hurt. That's mm. going to hurt someone. So yeah, as long as you had the lid off, I think it would probably have been all right. But then you know the box itself. So where do you stop? Where do you stop? But yeah, um, well, well done everyone involved in that. Thanks for that segment. Thanks for everyone writing in. Brilliant stuff. I've got a. Um, the only thing I've got to add to that is when you when you put that on the running order today, I don't have a football example um, of of quaint heckling, shall we say. I have got one um, from a time that immediately sprang to mind when I was in Rogue Nightclub in Bude, Cornwall. One Great summer. name for a nightclub. Uh, Real shame that nightclubs are no longer interchangeable with names of gladiators, I think. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, very good. And we we were just there on a random... Ran, we were down there for a week, staying with a with a mate, a mate sort of at their parents' house, and um, just went there on a random night. Didn't know what was going to be on or whatever. Just thought it was a night in the in the nightclub, whatever. Fine, um, but just so happens that that evening there was some entertainment on stage as well as the music, and it was uh, some of the members from the mid noughties MTV show Dirty Sanchez. Oh yeah, oh, remember those guys? The British... Pan- Pancho was he one of yeah, those? Yeah, like the British version of, of thingy. Of Jackass. Jackass. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like m- more 
yeah, British, Welsh, like worse, Remember, much worse. Yeah, horrible. Yeah. The men doing horrible stuff on TV for mm. laughs. And they did this stuff on stage. They had their act. I can't remember exactly what they were doing, but I seem to recall it was like there was some razor wire involved and one of them like took their trousers off and their pants off and had to sort of jump Always. over it. But obviously they didn't and they landed on it and it was mm. a big gag. And then it didn't go down particularly well. I mean, it was sort of, there was a bit of laughter and some guys enjoyed Tough it. Tough ground. Out of nowhere, my mate standing next to me just goes for it. She goes, you have no discernible talent. <laughs> oh. And like everyone just looked at him and it was like, oh, really awkward moment. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, you know halfway through that, oh. I regret this because there's going to yeah. be a big, big silent pause and everyone will look at you. Yeah, it was you, only a small you've place. You've got to nail it. You've got that to is it. so cutting. But like that genuinely might have caused some upset. I think it, I think it inflicts more damage on yourself than the target, I would say. I Maybe, would say. yeah. But I... Yeah. It depends if one of them, Pancho, say, was going through a bit of a crisis of confidence and questioning, what am I doing here? What's sort of the purpose of this? I genuinely don't know what my talent is. And then someone calls it out. Yeah, I've got run out of ideas for, to, to, yeah, to inflict pain on my bum. But yeah, very much in the spirit of it. Thanks, Dave. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Moving on. This is from this is from the televisual delights of this weekend. Charlie, this weekend was the tipping point for what I have dubbed Declan's Law, which dictates that any TV pundit discussion about Declan Rice as he warms up before a game will inevitably go one way. This boy's 22. He's a seasoned pro already. He's got great energy levels. He's an athlete. Um, and he senses danger. Um, when it's going forward, when it's about delivering on a, delivering cute and clever passes, I think he's a wee bit short in that. Will he get that? We'll have to wait and see. I don't know. I, th- I see him maybe ultimately being a, a defender. I think, <laughs> you know, the modern central defender has to be good on the ball, has to take it under pressure and deliver passes. He can certainly do that from being sort of last, last line of defence. Charlie, what do people keep saying yeah. this? There's always... Where does he come from? Didn't he used to be a defender? Isn't, that, isn't there something like that? I'm not sure he did. I think that's another part of Is it. Is that like, just a myth? People, people create that, yeah, yeah. On, on today's... Uh, athletic football podcast Rashane Thomas the West Ham writer for the Athletic was on that and actually brought up this point himself he was really getting really annoyed about people suggesting that Declan Rice should play as a centre-half and I I think it was there suspicion that Frank Lampard wanted to buy him and make him into a centre-half at Chelsea that's where it's coming from that was the ongoing speculation yeah it's not without footballing merit Dave I mean I mean There are countless examples now of teams willingly playing midfielders as centre-halves because they want to sort of front-foot teams. They're playing against 
opposition that may not be posing much of an attacking threat. So you're kind of getting an extra footballer in there. I, you know, I'm I'm being very simplistic here, but that is basically the idea. So it's not without footballing merit. It's just it's just kind of sort of lazy assumptions. I, I see him as a centre half. But that- well, if you ask Declan Rice about this, I reckon he probably doesn't want to play there. Surely that's the final word on this, isn't it? It didn't go too well for Jordan Henderson and Fabinho last season at, at Liverpool, did it? So it, it, it's sort of this thing that works in you in your mind. And how many examples of it are there that have ever worked? I suppose Barcelona are the only ones, really, aren't they? I, I mean, Mascherano, right, at Barcelona, which is just kind of a strange. Of the, definitely the exception. Y- Yaya Toure did it at the Champions League final, didn't he, in 2009? But there are two things here. I think one is that we do generally, we like sort of fantasizing about player positional reinventions. I remember David Luiz, there's always that thing, you know, he's so good on the ball. Could he play in central midfield? You know, you, you, yes, you remove yes. the uh, the errors and just get him passing. And, and, you know, now we see it with Trent, like, he's so good. Could he be a central midfielder? Mm, but also the, mm. the cousin of that, of the which you used to always get, you don't hear it so much anymore. You'd be talking about someone like Patrick Vieira or something, it'd be like, and, you know, if he could add 10 or 15 goals to his game, it's like <laughs> fantasy thing. Like, you, just like, if you could make it... If he could do this, if he could do this significant yeah. other thing that he doesn't do right now, he'd be a completely exactly. different player. Like, yeah, this weird right. thing that took hold, yeah. like, that's what's missing from his game. Like, 10 to... It's like, that's a pretty huge thing to suddenly, like, foist on someone. But, like, the, you make the point about Trent, right? And I think this kind of hits upon... This does hit upon a slight problem with um, some of the f- analysis of football these days. I know it's difficult. I know they've only got you know, five, ten minutes at a time to do it or whatever. And, you know, you can forgive Graham Souness or people like him for having their own preconceived notions of what a footballer should do because they've done it and they've been there and the game is different when they played. But, like, there was, like, a bit on Monday Night Football about um, Trent Alexander-Arnold and played in midfield for England and... Klopp was saying he's the best right back in the world, so why would you play him in midfield? And then Jamie Carragher went on to show about you know two minutes of clips where he was playing in midfield for Liverpool. Just be- but he's the right back in the team, but he just because of the way the game's played, he stands in the middle of the pitch quite often and passes the ball from that position. Like Declan Rice probably does sometimes drop a bit deeper and sort of sit maybe in between the centre-halves. And that's what sometimes midfield players do. That's how football is. It's like we still, even in 2021... Talk about football as if it's like Subutio or something. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone has to sit in the same position. It's always moving. Like yeah. we should know that by now, right? Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe position should become a thing of the past. But yeah, Rice is putting so much effort into being a midfielder. I just, I, all I need is just Rice to come out publicly and say, I, I don't I want no to play interest, back. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like that would stunt my career. I probably would get paid less hmm. on average every year for the rest of my career if I was a defender. It's, it's less, less fun. Glamorous. I'm not up for it. Stop Definitely saying. not as fun. Yeah, of yeah. course it's not as fun. No, he gets to gallop up the pitch and no, he's, he's having a great time. It's for people who can't run anymore. That's that's the Sunday League rules. That's what that's what, how it is. But it did get me thinking, Charlie, that it's a very precise form of punditry The as the player warms mm. up with the camera take, following him before the game. It's kind of slightly bigger picture stuff, isn't it? It's kind of at this moment in timey kind of punditry. Yeah. So I thought, okay, I'm going to play you 30 seconds of generic warm-up audio and I simply want you to fill it. You can pick any, you can pick an imaginary generic player of your choice. I just want you to fill 30 seconds for me in the most pundit style you can. Hit it. Yeah, I like him a lot as a player. Um, You know, he's someone I watched a lot in League One last season and I think he's got what you need. He's got the pace. He's got the athleticism. Now it's just about refining a few things, you know, and can he be a bit more consistent? You know, can he do that every week? But the raw materials are, are most certainly there, and I think he, he is someone who um, who can definitely kick on. But 
you know, he has to start doing that and, and showing that on the pitch. Very good. Was that, Andy <laughs> that was, yeah. Yeah, good. See the hip or Don Goodman? I couldn't quite work it, but then I got it in the end. Yeah, yeah, little Hinchcliffe and twang there. Yeah, very good. Yeah, it's basically, add, Dave, it's all about sort of adding things to a player's game, isn't it? And if he can do this, he's going to go on to be a sort of top, top player. Um, yeah. It's just a very specific type of punditry that you've really got to get into gear. And always positive, I find. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. And just about not nailing your colours mm. enough to the mask to be caught out yeah exactly you just open, it's open <laughs> questions yeah exactly yeah. he's good could be better essentially but you're right it is overwhelmingly positive because i mean i guess that's why because they it's pick out someone don't they who's not yeah. the main story but he's been bubbling away and i'd say the about as negative as it gets is he's had his problems yeah we, well we all know that yeah well documented but i think he's, he's over those now he's ready to kick he needs on. to run a game you know if it's <laughs> about staying injury free and if he can do that then there's a player there very good. Very good indeed. Really enjoyed that and glad you stepped up for that. Um, speaking of pundits, um, we've spoken about Roy Keane's punditry on this podcast quite a lot, Dave. It almost to the point where it feels there's nothing left to say about Roy Keane, the pundit. Um, he does what he does. It's often very entertaining and often very sincere. I don't think it's completely an act. Um, but I feel like it's time to decode Roy Keane, the pundit, a little bit. Um, I'm not saying I'm alone in spotting this, but I really enjoy when he gets so annoyed by what he's seen that he kind of just sort of um, boils down to simply barking out instructions to nobody in particular. Um, here's, a little, here's a little selection from the, from Sunday afternoon. Get hold of it. Yeah. Sprint to people, get hold of it's the ball. Long- Make it stick, knock somebody over, create an argument. Get, start shouting to people. But get to the ball. Stop this shot. Put your body under there. <laughs> so Create an argument. I mean, it's pure punditry, isn't it? No other fluff. Simply telling players what to do without them being able to hear you. Perfect. <laughs> One theory, I guess, Charlie, is that we, we, we're looking at a very frustrated manager here trying to um, kind of try impose his will as, mu- as much as he can on a game. Yeah, I think that's definitely part of it. I mean, I don't... I, I want to see... What did create an argument? Is that just like... Have a this row with someone. Uh, Harry Kane, the captain, not really sort of digging into his right, teammates Right, okay, enough, yeah. Which I guess it yeah. probably So, enough. yeah, okay, so it's that. Be be more confrontational. Mm. I, I can really imagine Roy Keane. I don't know if he's got kids. I think yeah, he does, yeah. Probably does, yeah. yeah. Sort of using this in a domestic situation, but like telling the kids off, like, come on, get <laughs> up, yeah. make, make the room. your bed, clean the room. Do come job. on, come on, it's 10 a.m. Get up. <laughs> Um, we could apply this. Uh, we could apply this next um, level of Roy Keenness to perhaps his his domestic life as well. Um, once he's run out of instructions to bark out, um, and uh, he doesn't want to let anybody else have a say in the studio, he basically ends up having an argument with himself by doing a little pretend voice. I quite mm-hmm. like this too. This idea when teams do well, for, oh, they don't well the first half. Doesn't matter. We're out of goal down. We've been a bit lucky. We've done all right the first half. <laughs> Rubbish. <laughs> Rubbish. Admittedly, not a mountain of evidence, Charlie. <laughs> but um, I, I still do quite like his kind of um, yeah. pathetic little voice he does to, to try and present a counter argument before, before completely slapping it down. What, the, the imagined. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a great construct. It is. I mean, I, I, I would happily employ it every day of my life yeah. for anything. Yeah, I mean, it will. I often do, and I'm writing, I'm imagining, well, what's the most, like, snarky commenter going to be saying at this point? And I have a very, in my head, very specific voice for that that I then try and slap down or think oh yeah maybe they are into something nearest glance into his into his private life with his interview with gary neville the other day uh, on the overlap where they walked through a forest for what felt like a year and and he was really good on that and and it feels like we need to see more of more of that keen he was really 
really up for it. Obviously, still very passionate about elements of football. He thinks people aren't getting right, but also just full of humour as well. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm really I, I mean, coming yeah. around to him as a human being. It's me too. And mm. I, I think as well that I might be wrong here because he's probably been doing punditry for a lot longer than we actually think. But it feels to me like this is his longest, one of his longest sort of spells of properly bedding in as like the central part of that Sky team because he's dallied, he's dallied with management and coaching and, mm. and sort of had his time. Yeah, it doesn't, feel like it doesn't feel like a special occasion to have him on no. anymore. Yeah. So I think he's getting better. I think mm. he's getting better. He's refining his role, his character. He's not always completely, you know, there was the sort of bit where he kind of went a bit too far on David De Gea a few seasons ago and it was almost like every week it was who, which player can I, can I kill this week? Whereas more, it's a bit more, it's a little bit more measured, you know, even, you know, which is, not that measured by most people's standards, but still. And but on the um, the Gary Neville thing, I mean, I, I think I know the answer to this question. It's probably a COVID thing, isn't it? But why are they always outside? It's like Roy Keane in the woods, Harry Kane on the golf course, Tyson Fury on the beach. Well, I think in Keane's case, it was that he was taking his dog for a walk. The dog. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I suppose it is basically COVID. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's a nice setting because yeah, it's, it's, good. Yeah, it's it just one take. For, yeah. for 45 minutes which is really kind I of I was cool. thinking that the iconic dog from when he walked out on Ireland but it can't that can't still be the same dog can it 19 years on I mean that's no, that can't no be way. the same one I mean in dog years that's a lot that? that's a lot of Don't dog know. years yeah it's a lot of dog years uh, who knows um, yeah so I promised you before we recorded, Charlie, that we'd have um, a little bumper package of keys and grey to round this episode off and here it is first of all um this is bread and butter, Keezy. Uh, they're talking about Harry Kane's travails. Would City come back for him next summer? No. Oh, not 100 plus million? No. He's, he'll be at his 30th year. 29, glass ankles. Mm. Uh, so you're not going to get 100 plus No. I was thinking what um, topic. Yeah, there were a few there as well. I think the other thing they might go in on was that Harry Kane is a striker. He is playing around the halfway line. <laughs> Andy, you were a striker. Yes. Is there any... <laughs> he loves it. Andy, I Andy, swear, if... I swear down it's in Andy Gray's contract that at least three times in a broadcast he said, you were a yeah. striker. Yeah, yeah, you were yeah. a striker, Andy. Yep. Okay. <laughs> if you'd been asked by a manager to play where he's going, what would you say? Wouldn't have happened. And, uh, nope. That... Nope. No. 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 No, between the goalposts. Yeah, no. We're used to this iteration of, of Keys and Grey. It's 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 punditry and it's it's professional in a way that it's in their terms. So there's structure to it, so that's fine. This this is um them picking apart the the fallout of West Ham versus Manchester United with uh, Nigel de Jong, where it starts to get a little bit just dad on the sofa. Martin Atkinson, at least he's been consistent this weekend. Consistently bad. Yes. I feel I feel sorry for Noble though. <laughs> I feel sorry, I feel for, sorry Noble. for Noble. I, I, mean, I said to you here, Nigel, when that was given, I said they haven't got a penalty taker. No, you said it. Yeah, so you, you said it. And, and then when he, came off the, when he came off the bench, and even without a warm up, <laughs> just straight onto the pitch, having his first kick about, and it'd be the most important penalty for. for this I've seen this it done before. John Aldridge scored for Liverpool. Top end <laughs> in those I've seen it. I've seen it. Well, I experienced it with the with the national team when Van Gaal substituted the goalkeeper yeah, at the last so minute. Yeah, because of the safe, isn't it yeah. for a shootout? He's got yeah, five know, opportunities to be here. This bit of that of that little jungle of uh, of punditry and presenting Charlie was um, Keezy offering up the oldest possible <laughs> example of the phenomenon he's talking about. 
only to get interrupted by an actual footballer giving him a much more contemporary, much more relevant example, and then him just disagreeing John, with it. John Aldridge. Actually, no, your example's rubbish. John, John Aldridge is perfect. I was thinking, by the way, is there like a parallel universe where Keys and Gray on their podcast do a weekly segment about us? And uh, they're sort of, they're, they're picking us apart and we don't even know yeah, it. Love wouldn't be beyond Keezy to get wind of, the, of this podcast he's, you know, he's a man that keeps his finger on yeah. the pulse that's Keezy I could see a, a withering reference to Adam Hurry in one of the blogs at some cliched football no, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't address me by which name which is very much what we're going for so. wouldn't address me by <laughs> name or this podcast he, w- he would say something withering about it a man so, who's made a life making jokes on Twitter silly Enough. little podcast yeah. <laughs> etc <laughs> Um, but yeah, let's not let's not uh, lose track of what we're doing here. We um, here's part three of um, potentially classic keys and grey. Um, and Charlie, this this is a hint of perhaps some early rumblings of what might later be described as dark forces. This is keys and grey enjoying touchline reporter Matt Critchley being soaked by a sprinkler, perhaps a little bit too much. Yes. This was Matt Critchley at halftime earlier Half-tay. today. Uh, this is the take that we didn't yes, see that we have to share Brighton, with you now. Oh. No, he's not. Got, he's not at full capacity this afternoon. A few hundred tickets remain unsold as we speak right now, and that will no doubt keep the manager Pep Guardiola. <laughs> oh, they're happy! Is <laughs> 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 Andy Gray's laughing, Charlie? It's just a little bit too aggressive. That is, yeah, it? maniacal. <laughs> <laughs> we've all been there haven't we where, where someone's like laughing at us and, it, and at first it's fond and then you start to get the feeling they actually are just being quite nasty and are really really reveling in your misfortune and you just want them to stop laughing yeah, but it is such a oh god like how many times must they have seen that in their lives well john aldrich and has they been find, doing it since 1978 they, <laughs> they still find it as funny as the first time which yeah. is nice in a, in a way it's quite nice isn't it massively convenient dave that touchline reporters still still manage to find themselves within the radius of a of, a, of an on-pitch <laughs> sprinkler it's amazing isn't it that still keeps yeah. happening for, well, you never know where they're going to pop up these days. Yeah, you just don't know. Well, yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, they can pop up from anywhere. No, fair enough. Well, we've nearly finished. I mean, perhaps that's enough keys and grey for the rest of 2021. Who knows? But uh, we round off as we customarily do now with Premier League Year's Playlist Bingo. Dave, I'm going to give you the choice this week. See if it looks like it's your turn. I want a number between 1 and 1,379, and we will pick that song out and talk about its potential context in the history of Premier League Year's. <clears throat> There's been a lot of early, mm, early years, isn't that. there? Yeah. Recent weeks, so I'll go high. Um, uh, I'll go for one thousand and sixty-seven. One thousand sixty-seven. Yes, it's "Beat the Devil's Tattoo" by Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. Um, off the top of my head, I can't imagine how this is what scenario we're looking at here, but let's hear it. <laughs> Derby Day, Charlie, do you think? Oh, it could be, yeah. Let's flick it on a bit. But th- this is quite a montage one, so I reckon this would have just been used as the what the footage was at the time. So it's a kind, you know, so it goes into the... I think what Derby it would be. This would be, I mean, going by the, the crude logic of the numbers, are we looking at probably mid 2010s I guess yeah but it's a ki- can you just do the voice over yeah, please so, sorry so it's a kind of <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're here for 
It was a cut and thrust derby as Arsenal were held to a 1 1 draw by Spurs. It's there! Like a flurry of yellow cards. Yeah, we flurry, think. And then, but then, as always with these Pushing montages, the, uh, but then the goals as they sort of fly in. It's there! It's an early lead! But, the, but then the late um, kind of. But the equal, it's the equaliser! It's 1 1. And managers shaking hands yeah, at the end, and it's, knowing that a draw was a fair It's a kind result. of okay draw. It's pouring with rain. I'm imagining it's sort of November kind of time, and, and no harm. I think you're. Um, I think you're right that it's November because Adam's just shown us under, under the hood there when he shared his screen um, on the podcast. And two songs later in the order is Christmas Lights by Coldplay. Oh, yes. good detective work by David Walker. Well then, yeah, very good indeed. So yeah, probably would have been a sort of, um, um, you can see the breath in the air, exactly. gloves on, midweek derby. Yeah, yeah good, 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 good. Fantastic stuff. Um, lovely edition of the Education Panel. Thanks to you, David Walker. Thank you. And thanks to you, Charlie Eccleshare. Thank you, Adam. See you next time, everybody. <laughs> Athletic.